is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. It is a great and eventful day, this day before our national day of Thanksgiving. A, uh, a blast on the Rainbow Bridge. The Rainbow Bridge, by the way, has nothing to do with LGBT or anything politically correct. It is a beautiful bridge that links the United States with our closest ally and closest neighbor, Canada. And it goes over, at least in part, the uh, Niagara Falls in New York, near Buffalo. There is a car explosion. Uh, it uh, is mysterious about how it happened or why it happened, but cars just don't normally explode on the highway. Uh, the two passengers, or the driver and a passenger inside the car, were both killed. There was one agent from the... Uh, from the Canadian side, a customs inspector. The Fox is reporting uh, that it was an attempted terror attack, but we will get more details on that. Uh, President Biden has been briefed. Uh, this is the uh, a remarkable situation. And uh, the two days ago, CBS News reported escalating violence in Gaza is increasing chatter of possible terror attacks in New York. Now, if they mean New York State, that's where this was. A CBS News learned uh, yesterday of increased threats of a possible terror attack in New York City as a direct result of the escalating violence in the Middle East. Uh, Governor Kathy Hochul is already taking action to beef up security and increase the staffing of the Joint Terrorism Task Force following a new threat assessment by the New York State Intelligence Center that violence in Gaza is driving chatter about uh, targets in New York. Here's the report that actually uh, came out on Monday uh, with CBS uh, talking about the officials in the United States, at the CIA, at the FBI, uh, local officials in New York. The New York Police Department has a very substantial and appropriately well-developed uh, anti-terrorism unit. This is uh, what they talked about in terms of anticipating a terror attack as we go into the Thanksgiving holiday. Listen. CBS News has learned of an increase in online threats against New York as a result of the escalating violence in the Middle East. CBS 2 political reporter Marsha Kramer here now with more on this. Marsha. Well, Maurice and Christine, Governor Hochul is already taking action to beef up security and increase the staffing of the Joint Terrorism Task Force following a new threat assessment by the State Intelligence Center that violence in Gaza is driving chatter about threats to New York targets. I am working hard at the state level with the control I have. I'll be talking about this tomorrow about exactly what we're doing and how many uh, online threats we've uncovered, how many have been investigated, what the outcome is. Governor Hochul talking about new steps she'll be taking to deal with online threats and radicalization, even as CBS News obtained a new threat assessment, which points to, quote, an increasing terror threat to New York State. 
The intelligence center warning that the spread of anti-Semitic and anti-Palestinian rhetoric on social media is fueling an increase in hate crimes targeting Jews, Muslims, and Arabs. The expansion of Israeli operations against Hamas in the Gaza Strip and increase in civilian casualties raises the likelihood that violent extremist threat actors will seek to conduct attacks against targets in the West, with New York State being a focus. Terrorist messaging has placed focus on attacking soft targets such as protests, group gatherings, and other public events, according to the report. Last week, the governor earmarked $2.5 million to add additional state police investigators to the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force in New York City, Albany, Buffalo, and Rochester. We are working with all law enforcement, federal, state, and local, statewide. These are not just New York City events. Our most immediate concern is that violent extremists, individuals or small groups, will draw inspiration from the events in the Middle East to carry out attacks against Americans going about their daily lives. That includes not just homegrown violent extremists inspired by a foreign terrorist organization, but also domestic violent extremists targeting Jewish or Muslim communities. We've already seen that with the individual we arrested last week in Houston. Now, the number okay. of incidents investigated by the NYPD. We are, we are going to continue uh, covering uh, all the breaking news as uh, we, we wait for officials to also specifically give some indication of what happened. The vehicle exploded at a checkpoint on the American side. So they were coming from the American side of a U.S.-Canada bridge in uh, Niagara Falls. And uh, the uh, prompting the closing of four border crossings in the area. The blast happened on the U.S. side of the Rainbow Bridge. Uh, three other bridges between western New York and Ontario were quickly closed as a precaution. And the Buffalo-Niagara International Airport began security checks on all cars and told passengers to expect additional screenings. The Niagara Frontier Transportation Authority posted on X, formerly Twitter, that all cars arriving at the Buffalo Airport would undergo security checks. The authority said travelers should also expect additional screenings. Uh, this is extraordinary. We're going to be speaking to... An expert on security uh, here in the United States and particularly in Europe facing Vladimir Putin's new peace speech. All of a sudden, Vladimir Putin sounds like he really does want to negotiate uh, some kind of agreement to settle the f struggle in Ukraine. Is that viable? We'll speak to Elizabeth Braw of American Enterprise Institute on Putin's speech, uh, uh, peace speech. We're also going to be speaking coming right up to a former U.S. prosecutor in New Jersey who had his own experience dealing with terrorist violence and the threat of terrorist violence. Uh, he also served as governor of New Jersey, and he's running for president of the United States. I'm talking about Chris Christie, of course. He will be joining us, and uh, uh, later on uh, we're also going to be talking about a Maryland Hate Crimes Commission official who has compared Israel to Nazi Germany. The, uh, the release of the hostages and the temporary ceasefire uh, are apparently going to be taking place on Thanksgiving Day. But, of course, that's sort of later in the day because it's Israeli time. The, 
the uh, ceasefire will start at 10 a.m. on Thursday. The deal between Israel and Hamas that will see the militant group free uh, for the first stage, 50 Israeli women and children, including that three-year-old whose birthday is tomorrow. Can you believe it? Actually, her birthday is Friday. I want to be clear on that. Uh, her name is Abigail. Uh, she, like her parents, is a joint U.S.-Israeli citizen. She saw her father uh, gunned down while he was holding her. She was covered with her father's blood. Her mother was also murdered in front of her. She hid out for a while with neighbors, also with children. They were all taken as hostages. And uh, Abigail, God willing, will will be out of captivity and be able to celebrate her uh, fourth birthday with uh, extended family. But what we're dealing with here is such a, a monstrous evil, and it does disturb me, as it should, it seems to me, every thinking person, that there are so many people who are losing sight of the nature of this uh, uh, this entire uh, war and why it began and what the war is about. Uh, Brett Stevens has a fantastic column about the ceasefire now fraud. Why is is that a uh, a complete misunderstanding of the kind of threat that Israel and very much the United States is dealing with? Big news with a key endorsement in Iowa. Who did it go to? Some are very surprised. We will talk about that and much more coming up on a very busy day here on the Medved Show. Michael Medved. Michael Medved show. Uh, they, uh, Governor of New York, uh, Kathy Hochul, is making her way up to uh, Buffalo and uh, the site of this latest explosion. The uh, details from eyewitnesses now indicate that um, the car that exploded and uh, damaged a um, border crossing guard office and injured one of the Canadian Border Patrol uh, personnel. Uh, but apparently he is expected to make a full recovery. The two people in the car died. And apparently it was going toward the border uh, from the American side at a very high rate of speed, uh, such a high rate of speed that at one point it was airborne and it smashed into the uh, guard station and blew up. And uh, very clearly, cars don't just blow up from accidents. There were uh, some kinds of bombs inside the car. And uh, the they think. They don't know. And again, we will find all this out. You, you may ask the question, and I think anybody would, Okay, why would they aim for for this uh, particular spot at the border between the United States and Canada? And it might well be that the terrorists, and again, this is now being described as a terror incident, or so the would-be terrorists, uh, had 
uh, grudges both against the United States, that's nothing new, but against Canada as well, because uh, Canada, uh, Justin Trudeau, who is not always the most firm or clear-sighted uh, uh, example of anything, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau has been very strong in uh, support of uh, Israel after the Hamas mass murders of uh, October 7th. And in fact, uh, we played on the air here some uh, audio uh, that took place uh, last week, the end of last week, uh, showing uh, people, pro-Palestinian demonstrators in Vancouver, British Columbia, in Canada, north of the border, uh, basically uh, chanting their rage not just at the United States, not just at Israel, uh, but at Canada as well. Do we have that audio, Jeremy? And that's uh, Justin Trudeau. What do you say? How many kids have you killed today? The one that's most relevant here is there is only one solution, Intifada revolution. And for those people who didn't live uh, through the Intifada, uh, my family did. And the Intifada revolution that they're glorifying here was mostly bombs. It was mostly bombs that were set set off there's a, a famous story of somebody that i d didn't know him precisely but i knew of him uh dr applebaum who was actually and th this is relevant because it goes to the just the utter depravity of uh, the evil that is is used against good and innocent people uh, Dr. Applebaum was one of those people who had been on guard as a physician and had been prepared at a moment's notice to rush out to any scene of a bombing or a terror attack or anything of that nature. He was taking a day off because his daughter was getting married and his daughter wanted to go out on her last time as her, her father's daughter before she is a married woman. It was the day of her wedding and they went out for a, a, a coffee. Uh, and the at that time, the restaurant, which was actually close to where my late father used to live in Jerusalem, uh, the coffee shop was blown up. And both the father of the bride and the bride were killed. And when you have people chanting, there's only one solution, Intifada revolution, there were thousands of people, literally more than 2,000, who were killed in the second Intifada. And the Intifada broke out uh, right after Israel had made the most generous statement, uh, the most generous offer in terms of negotiating under then Prime Minister Ehud Barak, 
the most generous offer that had ever been put forward that seemed to give the Palestinian Authority everything they said they wanted. That was turned down by Yasser Arafat in the uh, Y River negotiations with uh, uh, the Prime Minister of Israel, Ehud Barak, and Bill Clinton. Uh, what's interesting is that uh, apparently Bill Clinton tried and tried to persuade Arafat to accept the deal that was offered to him. And Arafat uh, said, well, I can't, but you, Mr. President, are a great man for trying to solve this problem. And he says, and, and Clinton apparently shot back, and you are not a great man, and you are making sure that none of us will be considered great men because these negotiations break up, and they did. Meanwhile, uh, there is, is so much going on in terms of the American public response to uh, what is going on in Israel. The most important thing is that Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, gave a very important speech uh, and in which he formally talked about the deal between Israel and Hamas. And uh, they are talking about now that uh, the, the Israelis are willing to uh, come forward to add another day of ceasefire for every 10 hostages who are released. The hostages they are releasing at the beginning uh, which will include at least some Americans like that little girl I told you about uh, named Abigail who is going to be celebrating her fourth birthday on Friday. In any event, uh, the f original 50 hostages will be apparently all women and children. But when they start getting beyond that, uh, what Israel has said is they will give a full day of continued ceasefire in return for every 10 hostages released. Now, the point is, when you talk about Hamas giving up hostages, uh, these are not hostages who were taken because they were being punished for something. It's not like the prisoners who are going to be released, prisoners who have been per prosecuted and convicted in Israel. It's a very different uh, situation. We'll get a perspective on that situation from somebody who was a prosecutor fighting terrorism at one point. Now he's running for president. His name is Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey. He'll be joining us coming up. music of the boss in the background. Why? Because we're welcoming this show a uh, American leader who describes himself as a former governor and U.S. attorney, Springfeen, Springsteen fan, who's also running for president. Uh, he's also the author of the book Republican Rescue, Saving the Party from Truth Deniers, Conspiracy Theorists, and the Dangerous Policies of Joe Biden. Governor Chris Christie, welcome back to the Michael Medved Show on a, uh, a, a very shocking day. You know, of course, about this explosion and suspected terror attack in the border between uh, New York State and uh, Canada. Uh, 
uh, have you been able to uh, take a look at the details of this incident? Well, I've looked at some, Michael, and, you know, as a former prosecutor who did the first two terrorism cases after 9-11, um, uh, you know, what, what is going to happen now is the FBI and their forensic folks are going to be all over that scene um, in Buffalo. They're going to be looking for explosive uh, tips. They're going to be looking for what was the type of detonator, um, any evidence on the bodies of the two uh, perpetrators who have now died. Uh, and going back to all the joint terrorism task forces across the U.S. Um, to see if they can connect any dots on any clues that they might have missed uh, in order to try to, to solve where this is coming from and who's doing it, uh, who did it, rather. But, look, this is the very, very early stages of something like this, and, and we're going to learn, I think, more over the next 48 to 72 hours at a geometric pace. Well, one of the things I was talking to listeners about before you joined us, Governor Christie, was that uh, there are reasons to fear that the war on terror, which has been very quiet because our our side has done such an outstanding job, that that uh, war on terror may be repeating itself, that the next president may face a renewed war of uh, terror incidents aimed at the United States. Uh, do you believe that's a legitimate fear? And I, I can't think of anybody who's better prepared to handle that as president of the United States than, uh, than you. Well, I absolutely do fear it, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. You know, when you, when you see the events that are going on around the world, in Ukraine, um, in Israel, um, America, when we're not showing strength, becomes a target. Um, and that's exactly what is going on here. And there's no doubt that when people see us not displaying strength, and we're doing it in two ways. Um, Joe Biden's leadership, in my view, has not been strong um, on many of these issues. And secondly, some of the discussion within our own party by folks like Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis um, and Vivek Ramaswamy um, have led people to believe that Republicans are not resolved to being involved in the world, strong in the world, and taking this kind of activity on directly. And uh, we send these signals, Michael, and we expect that no one is paying attention or taking it seriously, but they are, and we are putting ourselves at risk. And speaking of risk, the uh, deal between Israel and Hamas is now official. Uh, there is going to be a four-day pause in the fighting in Gaza. But uh, a lot of people on the left are saying this is no good. What they need is a complete permanent ceasefire. You do not favor forcing Israel into a, a ceasefire position. Uh, why not? Uh, because I've been there and actually seen what happened, Michael. And I think for anybody else who hasn't been there, to see it for themselves, they're, they're talking out of their hat. Um, I went to one of the kibbutzes 600 yards from the Gaza border, and I will tell you, the level of inhumanity and destruction visited upon the Israeli people by Hamas is almost indescribable. i give you one example, Michael. Went into the home of a newly married 24-year-old couple. The place was completely ransacked. 
when you go in, you saw the couch where the young woman was lying and where she was murdered. And her <clears throat> couch is still stained and smells of her blood. Her husband was in their bedroom. He came into the doorway of the bedroom. He was gunned down. His blood stains their floor all throughout the bedroom. And I counted. There were 140 bullet holes in the walls to kill two people. Um, it's not just the inhumanity they visited. It's the joy with, that they brought to this inhumanity. And, uh, you know, we cannot ask Israel to stand down until they are, are content with the idea that they have diminished Hamas's military capability enough that they can tell the people who survived that they can go back to their homes. And we would expect no less here in the United States, and we should demand nothing other than what we would want for ourselves from our ally Israel. That is the safety and security of their people and the territorial integrity of their borders. Wow. They're... Um... There was a tweet that uh, Jeremy found from another one of our regular guests on this show, from Governor Chris Sununu, who I know is a friend of yours. And uh, he tweeted uh, November 11th, uh, didn't tweet, it's an X now, but he said, good to catch up with Governor Christie at his town hall in Merrimack last night. He's campaigning the New Hampshire way, person to person answering every question, wearing out the shoe leather. Uh, you would have no problem uh, attending a debate against Joe Biden or whoever the Democratic nominee is, going to the debates that they've already scheduled, uh, three presidential debates, one vice presidential debate. Uh, if Chris Christie is the nominee, I, I think you'd be there with bells on, wouldn't you? I'd be prepared to debate Joe Biden any time, any place, uh, as many times as he was willing to show up. I think the differences between our leadership styles and our philosophy of what government should be doing um, would be very, very um, illuminating for the American people. So I'd do it as many times as I could, um, as many times as he would want, uh, and anywhere he wants. And, uh, <laughs> no, I, I think that would be something. There's Fox News has a, a headline that says, Christie turns up the heat on Haley and DeSantis as he tries to be the Trump alternative in the GOP 2024 race. So for people considering an alternative to President Trump, why, in a few words, are you the right guy? I believe I'm the right guy because I'm the most experienced person in this race, the one who has been telling the truth. The truth matters, Michael, and we've got to make the truth matter again in our politics in this country. I've been the one who's been talking about Donald Trump directly and without fear um, of telling the truth. I'm the one who will restore respect for rule of law. I'm the one who will make sure that our border is finally secured, unlike the empty promises that were made to us by Donald Trump when he was president. I'm the one who will make sure that we law enforcement and respect for law enforcement and law and order are restored in this country because I've done it, because I've been a U.S. attorney who ran the fifth largest office in America. And I'm the one who will make sure that government gets out of your pocket and we start to reduce spending in this state, in this country, rather, because if we don't, we are going to leave a much, much poorer country to our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren.
Uh, and uh, you have, I, I know this was clear from the debate, you have not ruled out uh, doing what happened under President Reagan and uh, uh, that uh, was a bipartisan effort to try to correct the challenges of Social Security and Medicare back in the 80s. We have some challenges coming forward that we need to deal with, don't we? We absolutely do. And if we don't deal with it in 10 years, everyone who is on Social Security or going on it in the next 10 years will get a 24% cut in their benefits. And for many people, Michael, that'll be the difference between paying the rent or not, putting food on the table or not. We have to stop kicking the can down the road and lying to people like Donald Trump and Joe Biden are doing on Social Security. Chris Christie, uh, straight shooter as always. We will be right back. And on the Michael Medved Show, a few minutes more with the former governor of New Jersey, two-term governor of New Jersey, and uh, a presidential candidate and a former crack federal prosecutor who helped uh, to go after uh, terrorists who were aiming to do damage to America and Americans, uh, Chris Christie. And uh, Governor Christie, uh, you've been increasingly... um, critical of uh, President Trump, the uh, front runner for the Republican nomination, according to all the polls. What is it that President Trump gets wrong about this particular presidential election and what it means? He, he basically has characterized this election as a fight against people he says are, are vermin, uh, Marxists, fascists, communists. What's wrong with that hard-hitting approach? All he's trying to do, Michael, is to use as many adjectives as he possibly can to distract the American voters from the fact that he is out on bail in four different jurisdictions in this country. New York, Florida, um, Washington, D.C., and Georgia. Imagine that we have a presidential candidate who is out on bail, criminal bail, in four different jurisdictions. He doesn't want anybody talking about that. And when he talks about it, he talks about how victimized he's been and how much he's sacrificing for us. Um, This is a guy who has never put us ahead of himself and his own interests, but we shouldn't feel badly. He's never put anyone ahead of himself or his own interests. And the, the founders of this country are spinning in their graves at the thought that someone with this language, with this attitude, and with this level of self-indulgence um, is a serious candidate for president of the United States. Well, when uh, one of the things that has occurred to me is that I think a lot of people right now are just sick and tired of hearing about all the different fights and all the different courtrooms and all of the different bo- battles. And to some extent, I think people have the ideas. I don't want to hear many more about Trump scandals. I don't want to hear any more about Trump accusations against him. And the only way that people feel that they can end this topic that they find distasteful is electing him as president of the United States. What's wrong with that logic? Because all it will do is is get bigger and louder and, and more distracting for our country and more destructive. For our country. Remember, 
he has said um, over and over again, um, I am your retribution. Now, I don't want him to be my retribution, and I suspect he'll be retribution only for himself. Uh, And this is a much different Donald Trump than these people voted for in 2016. In 2016, he said, I am your voice. Now he's saying, I'm your retribution. This is an angry, bitter, immature, self-indulgent man who believes that whatever happens to him is the most important thing in the world and that the person he sees in the mirror every morning is the most important person in the world. And when you're president of the United States, you need to put the people of this country who have honored you with that job before your own self-interest. He is unable to do that. And as a result, he's unfit for the presidency. We're going to be talking later in the show about this new peace offer that is apparently coming from Vladimir Putin. He described the war as a tragedy in Ukraine. Well, for a lot of dead Russians, it certainly has been. Uh, Is it possible that uh, Putin's initiative here is because he can't wait to negotiate some kind of deal with his buddy Trump? Look, I I will tell you this. I think he knows that Trump will just hand Ukraine over to the Russians. I don't have any doubt about that. And I think that whatever Putin does now will just be a stalling tactic um, while he hopes that Trump gets reelected so that Trump will just hand Ukraine over to him because Trump is a coward. He does not want America to be strong around the world. He's afraid for America to be strong around the world. And he wants to be an isolationist. He's the Charles Lindbergh of this era, and that's what he wants to do and who he wants this country to be. And I believe that we make ourselves safer by being strong around the world, not not by making ourselves pull ourselves out from the world. That makes us weaker and more of a target. Okay, and and finally, there's this uh, piece in Newsweek. (laughs) It's, It's a brand new piece. It says Trump can stop all his trials in one fell swoop and the writers are talking about after he is elected president Uh, as as somebody who's had your your share of experience with uh, all kinds of complicated trials can you see any way that he very simply puts an end to these trials Uh, not unless he pleads guilty in georgia (laughs) and in new york Uh, the two federal trials there's an argument to be made that he could force a new attorney general to withdraw those cases. And I'm sure that would lead to an extraordinary constitutional crisis that he would be more than happy to drag the country through. But in Georgia and in New York, where he faces criminal charges in both those places, he has no authority as president of the United States to end those. Uh, and he will have to face them ultimately. Uh, so he can only do half of it, uh, not all of it, as he might wish. Uh, And even the half that he tries to do, I think, would create such a constitutional crisis in this country um, that uh, it would cause real danger um, to our economic future and our national security future. But if Donald Trump's in the White House, believe me, he won't care. All he'll care is about protecting his own rear end. (laughs) In terms of your family and your Thanksgiving plans, uh, are you going home somewhere? Are you hosting for Thanksgiving? Where are you going to be? What are you going to do? We are hosting 25 of our family members um, at our home in New Jersey. Uh, I am in the process of 
I haven't gotten home uh, late yesterday from New Hampshire. Um, today is a day spent uh, doing errands uh, with Mary for Mary Pat um, as we put all this together uh, and looking forward to tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock uh, welcoming uh, 25 family members for both my side of the family and hers to our home to have a traditional Thanksgiving dinner. All four of our children, who are all grown now, will all be home. Our, our, our youngest coming home from Notre Dame uh, tomorrow morning. And so we're, um, we're looking forward to a great day tomorrow, Michael, and having our family together. Because as a, as, as a family, we have a lot to be thankful for. And as uh, citizens of this country, we have a lot to be thankful for. Well, your Thanksgiving plans sound very much like ours in, in the Medved family. What are you particularly thankful for this Thanksgiving? Last question. Uh, you know, two things, one, one personal and one larger than personal. From a personal perspective, I'm particularly thankful that our family has good health. Uh, my dad is 90 years old wow. um, and healthy and happy. My mother-in-law, the mother of 10, is 95 years old, healthy, happy, and will be joining us tomorrow. Um, that's an enormous gift for us. Mary Pat and I have two of our parents still alive and healthy and, and active and ready to be at, at, our, at our dinner table tomorrow. And in a bigger sense, I'm really thankful for the fact that I live in still the freest, strongest, richest country the world has ever known. It's an enormous gift. We need to stop complaining so much and start being thankful for the fact that a gift from God is being an American citizen. Isn't that absolutely the truth? I will tell you, I think about that all the time because uh, on my father's side, my grandparents got out of Ukraine uh, uh, right, right after World War I. And uh, again, you think about the poor people who are suffering now in Ukraine under Putin's aggression and how unbelievably blessed we are that uh, my grandparents on my mother's side uh, got out of Germany in 1934. So these are blessings that we remember every Thanksgiving and at all times. So, and I also think so we've true, been blessed Michael. by some so of our true. Politics. And, you know, my grandfather was born on the boat in the mid middle of the Atlantic Ocean um, on his way from Sicily to the United States. And he always told me as a child that the happiest day of his life was at four days old when his parents arrived at Ellis Island and they made him an American citizen. And when you have a grandfather who sets that kind of example for you, he was a stonemason, a bricklayer uh, who came to this country. His father was the same. And my great-grandfather, they came here and built some of the greatest buildings in New Jersey and in New York as Sicilian immigrants. And he always said the greatest day of his life was when he was four days old and they made him an American citizen on Ellis Island. So I think about him every Thanksgiving and being thankful for the fact that my great-grandfather was willing and grandmother, great-grandmother, willing to get on that boat and come over here.